Welcome, everyone, to another edition of USAV Bandwidth, where we talk everything from A to V and beyond. I am welcomed with my illustrious co-host, Chris Salazar-Mangren, and our wonderful guest. Exciting to have him, David Labuska, CEO of Avixa. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So we uh, first of all want to uh, thank our sponsor of today's podcast, Legrand. Legrand is one of our awesome partners they have a breadth of products that go far beyond anything that anybody could even want in their AV needs. So thank you to Legrand. Also, thank you to Shore. And thank you to StudioPod for hosting I us. will add that not only do they have cool technology products, but the people at both Shore and at Legrand, StudioPod as well, people are fabulous. So got to love those relationships. So we're here today to kind of talk about live events, getting back to live events, specifically the second half of this year. It seems like everyone is excited to get back to live events. And a lot of the events that we traditionally saw in the beginning of the year have now all pushed to the second half of the year. So David, from your perspective, we're excited to have Infocom in person this year in Orlando. Chris and I, I know, can't wait to be there along with a lot of other partners of ours. Everyone we've been talking to is really excited to see one another, get back to that person-to-person interaction. What do you guys, you know, uh, first of all, I guess the first question is, what do you guys do on your end from a, a precautionary standpoint? What, what are the differences that people can expect from this Infocom, you know, based off the pandemic? Oh, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. And I am looking forward to having everybody together at the end of October as well. It's been way too long since the industry's gathered in person in North America. The precautions are fluid. Just like the public health conditions are fluid. I guess maybe that's the word of 2021. 2020, we did uh, pivot. This year, we'll do fluid and agile. The current CDC guideline recommendations, which is the source that we look to, it's almost like a construction project where you have client and architect expectations, GC expectations, authority having jurisdiction expectations, right? You go through this whole area of uh, responsibility. We have the same thing. So in particular in Orlando, you have Orange County Convention Center, then you have Florida state requirements, and you look to CDC. And, And ultimately what we're doing is trying to be as prudent as possible within the guideline recommendations. What does that mean today? It means that if you are fully vaccinated, that masks are not required. We are intending to have temperature monitoring stations. We are intending to have social distancing in the classrooms for those who sign up for our education program. But there won't be social distance requirements in the convention center. And again, all of this is as of today. There's going to be a delay between when we're recording this and when you broadcast it. Who knows at this point what could potentially change between now and when somebody's watching this, let alone between now and the end of October. So we've got an entire team that is monitoring this and tracking this and doing everything we can within our power to ensure that we deliver a safe event. Yeah, Dave, appreciate you joining us once again, and thanks for that insight. We were at uh, one of PSA Security's first security in-person event, PSA's Tech, in May, and uh, what they ended up doing, and I think we were, it was in Colorado, we still had some 
you know, some social distance requirements or mask requirements. But what PSA decided to do were having uh, colored, different colored lanyards. So there were red, yellow, green. Red was, you know, hey, not comfortable social distancing. Yellow was, hey, you know, maybe give me a fist bump or something. And green was basically saying, yeah, handing out free hugs. So are you seeing um, anything of that nature that you'll be implementing at, uh, at the Infocom or any of your other events? My first outdoor public experience was ISE, Barcelona. And so not only, so that was about a month later than your event, but it was also in Barcelona instead of North America. And it's interesting, the etiquette that's needing to be adopted in giving people feedback on how physically close you want to be. I think part of the joy of our industry is that it's full of people that like to give hugs and you know, whether it's with the back tap or, or the man tap or not. And, and I think we're all hungry for that type of social interaction. But there are people that really require and or desire some distancing. And, and I think we just need to find a way to communicate that. I like the red, yellow, green. I'm not sure where we're heading with that specifically. It's not something that has to be decided this far out. And so as with pretty much everything, right, since March of last year, the key is to try to keep as much flexibility in place as long as possible before you make a commitment, right? Because yeah. what we know is conditions will be different at the beginning of October than they are right now. We don't know if they'll be worse or better, but they're not going to be the same. And so things that require a long lead time, so believe it or not, seating plans in classrooms requires a long lead time because you're making a determination on how many people to allow to pre-register for the class. Determining whether or not we need red, green, yellow wristbands, not so much of a lead time required. Yeah, makes sense. How, how was the response and feedback in, in Barcelona? A lot of smiling faces, people happy to connect in person? Yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing, actually. Uh, I would have, I'd have never... The three of us, right, we sort of, we make a living going around and talking to people and networking and being in meetings. And you don't realize how hungry you are for that, even though you think you realize until you actually experience being together. I, I suspect you guys had that same experience from Colorado. In Barcelona at that time, masks were required when you walked outside your hotel room. So from the minute you were in the hallway, through the sidewalks, transportation, the show itself, we were doing and requiring negative COVID testing to enter the FIRA in Barcelona at the time and integrating that with the registration system. So your scan, the badge was scanned, not just to show attendance, but also to validate that you had a negative test within the last 72 hours. But we did have some uh, outdoor receptions where people were able to remove their mask on a private property. Uh, and it was awesome. I mean, it was great to be, what, what I noticed very explicitly was I think we're all done a really effective job of communicating with the people that we need to work with every day. In fact, there's a lot of fatigue because people are on Zoom or Teams or Google Meetup from 7.30 in the morning until 7.30 at night. But you're not, like I haven't talked to the two of you in a year and a half, and that's very unusual. But it's it's not something where we are working closely enough together that we would interact or schedule a meeting for each other. But 
absolutely, I am certain that we will be in the same room at the same time at some point in Orlando and have a chance to interact with each other. And that kind of interaction that's unstructured, that's unscheduled, is where innovation and partnership and growth comes from in many cases. So it was awesome to be standing, you know, holding a glass of wine, talking to somebody and have somebody bump into me and say, hey, it's good to see you again. How have you been? And connect and share feedback and insights. That's what getting together is all about. Yeah, we're excited for for this upcoming Infocom. We're excited for this upcoming just second half of the year with all the different places to be and people to see. And, you know, it's one thing to be like this, like you said, in a, in a video call, but that occasional bump in or, or you know, you, you walk up to the bar and see someone you haven't seen in a while and just, hey, how are you? What's going on in your world? You know, you, you can't recreate those, those types of interactions. So we're really excited for that. So talking about ISE and c- coming in out of that into Infocom, you know, where are you guys seeing the attendance from an expectation perspective and just from what it normally is? I don't think we're going to, we're not going to send any new records in Orlando this year. Well, I guess I shouldn't bet against us, but to be practical, to be realistic, we're anticipating probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30,000 people attendance. And Last time we were in Orlando, I think we had about 45,000 people there. To set the sort of context in Barcelona across the two-day event there, I think we had just over 2,000 people there. So there's a, I mean, a lot of geographic and regional impact on this. We still don't have open borders for travel internationally. That has an impact on Infocom. Typically, somewhere around 15% plus or minus of the attendees are outside of the U.S. So unless that changes, you can immediately presume that's not there, inclusive even of Canada. And then it's just been a tragically difficult time for a great deal of our industry. Some of our industry has had a phenomenal year and a half uh, with this, but others have been devastated by it. And so I think there are companies that may have typically sent 10, 15, 20 individuals that may send 5, 10, 15 individuals. And I think individuals are making choices about their comfort level of attendance or not. Registration currently is ahead of where we were in 2019, this many weeks out from the show. But it's such a crazy variable. And and you're really looking at trying to forecast in an area that has no... How do you apply a pandemic effect to forecasts of registration trends that were established over the course of 50 years, right? We opened registration earlier than we normally would. So I would expect that we would have a higher number now this many weeks out because it's been open longer. But, you know, probably 20, 25% of the attendance at a trade show is the exhibitor personnel, and none of them have registered yet. And some of that will be impacted based on how registration is going on whether or not, you know, Legrand, your sponsor, needs to have 200 people there or 100 people there. They're making guesses and forecasting as well kind of thing. But I, it'll be a real show. The exhibitors, um, we're at about 
500 exhibitors that are committed and on the floor plan have contracted and are planning on coming. It's at about 275, 300,000 square feet, which is about 20, 25% off of the last time we were in Orlando. But all of this, to me, this is, if we have a show that I just described, it's one of the, even in 2019, that would have put it in one of the top 50 shows in the country out of thousands of shows every year. So I don't think it's going to be an echo chamber. I think it's going to be, there's going to be a a lot of people and a lot of excited faces and a lot of business being done. I agree. Do you see uh, some of the booth sizes being pared down? I know we noticed that there were some private rooms that had, you know, some, some pretty, you know, a lot of technology available to see and then out in the floor itself the boot sizes were a little bit pared down and smaller and so you know they didn't have quite as much are you seeing the same effect there we did for a while we had people that were holding back normally when you run a show like infocom you do what's called priority rebooking and that's actually taking place before the show for the next year and then during the actual show days, you are you get in line, essentially, based on how much you have committed to the show previously. You earn priority points. It's almost like frequent flyer miles. And the higher you are in the list, the closer you are to picking your space. So the top 10, 20, 30 exhibitors, you could just list out who they are. They have first dibs on space and availability. We had people that were holding back on that from this year to make determinations on where we would be. We had some people that said, not going to do it. And then over the course of the first and second quarter, as things have started to improve, have come back into the show. We had people downsizing that are now upsizing. So it's it, <laughs> fluid, right? It's it Very is, fluid, it is, that's right. It's not, I mean, there's a lot of creativity in our industry. There's a lot of creativity in our world, There are on-floor meeting rooms that some companies are using where rather than build out an extraordinary and elaborate booth structure, they're going to have space there so they can meet with their channel, meet with their channel's customers, but not necessarily make the same physical investment in space. It's an unknown, right? I mean, it'd be silly for us to pretend that everything is clear and we have complete forecast capabilities into what the conditions in the marketplace are going to be the last week of October. And so companies are, are looking to find a space where they can be, I guess almost literally and figuratively, find a space where they can yeah. be present, where they can support their channel, where they have an opportunity to create the business that's created on a trade show floor, but not necessarily blow it out this year. What's uh, your take on, you mentioned the doing business in person on the show floor. You don't really get that experience on the virtual trade show, right? Where it just seemed to have, because we, we, we did it as well. We had a component that was virtual and uh, we went to a couple of other virtual trade shows. And it's just, it's not the same because you don't have that in-person connection. Are you having a virtual component at all? Well, we just did an AV3 event during the week that Infocom traditionally would have been. So mid-June. We will have a sneak peek event, and we're going to have a post event. We're not trying to recreate the physical show online at the same time. I think there are segments of the show content that will be available online. 
I might be wrong, but I'm, I think the various different content stages that are part of the trade show floor, some of that content will be streamed online. But you're absolutely right. Physical and, and online are not the same thing. I, being in the business of live events, have been watching and paying attention to this, maybe obsessively if you ask my family, over Just the last <laughs> uh, 15, 18 months. The best, the most concise way I can describe it is if you, if you were to picture a visual of a movie camera on a tripod pointing down at a novel, a book, and somebody turning the pages of that book while the camera filmed it, that is not how you convert a book to a movie, right? That is, but, <laughs> but you can have a fabulous book that is converted to a fabulous movie. It's just not done like that. And I think, I think at the outset of this, we did a lot of film and book page turns and tried to call them online events. And I don't think we've figured out the movie, quote unquote, in that description media delivery system yet. I think we're getting better at it. I think the interactive chat rooms are bringing some sense of connectivity. But I mean, it's silly. Why do you call it an exhibit area when it's online? It's, it's not an exhibit area, right? There's been an evolution of how our sponsors engage with the audience in those environments. I think there's a place for it, and I think we'll crack it. We'll figure it out. But it's not slap a couple cameras up on a trade show floor and let everybody watch everybody walk by. And it's not recreate the web page that your exhibitor already has within an environment of a trade show floor, quote unquote, trade show floor. There's no such thing on the internet. So That's a great analogy. I'm, yeah, I'm a proponent of physical community and digital community. There's real community digitally, right? AV in the AM, the AV tweeps, lots of real community that's supported digitally. And there is real community in a Orange County Convention Center during the Infocom show. I think they can reinforce each other. I think they can serve benefit to each other, but I don't think they have to be interlinked in a fixed time frame. Hats off to your just your, your whole team to be able to plan these different you know things and variables and, and changes and vendors coming in, vendors leaving. It, it's got to be just a daunting task for them on, on a daily basis. As They've been change. extraordinary. So, and what I love is sure. we've done so many different types of events over the last 18 months and experimented with so many different types of formats. I have an advantage, right, in that we've got we've got ISE in Europe, we've got IAPL in Asia. So we've got multiple different types of show formats. We've got different platforms we've used. One of our more successful experiences is an event called Congreso, which is being sponsored out of Latin America, and it's in Spanish and Portuguese, but it sort of underscores that concept of the fact that you're not time and geography bound when you go online. And so it's Spanish and Portuguese based. We had a hundred countries represented during this, but it's about learning and it's about interacting with this last one we did was really focused in on AV in the higher education space. And the speakers were fabulous. The production was media level production. And we had 
thousands, we had more people participate on the Congresso event than we did in every one of our Latin American trade shows combined during 2019. And we did Infocom Connected last year in June with 90 days notice from cancellation to delivering a, you know, 15, 20,000 person event online when nobody had ever done anything like that. I bet that was a lot of restless nights, huh? <laughs> it was there was a lot of sleepless nights for a lot of people. And some of it worked, some of it didn't, but if you're doing something nobody's done before, of course some of it's not gonna work, right? Yeah. Are you planning to have the Infocom just back to its regular scheduled time and places after this year? Yeah, we'll be in July and June of twenty twenty two. And we're back at that point. It'll be in Vegas in June next year and then alternating every other year. You know, there are only so many venues big enough to hold a show like Infocom. And it's not like calling up and trying to get dinner reservations for tonight, right? We experienced this with moving the show from June to October. I mean, that also is a Herculean task. You're talking about how many tens of thousands of hotel rooms and having this space and having that space vacant and having it available to you. We have contracts out on that space, I think, for the rest of this, uh, for, for both of those spaces out through beyond the end of this decade and, you know, rights of first refusal through well past where I'm going to be working on it. I mean, I think into 2035, 2040, 2045 kind of timeframes is you start to look at calendar for these types of events. That's part of what's made this past year and a half and these six months that you talked to as we started this conversation, Patrick, with how events have shifted to the back half of this year. That is something that's never happened before. The type of jostling and juggling that take place for shows. Now, it's not, it's not hard to do an event with 2,000 people, you know, 1,000 people and a couple sponsors or some tabletop. You can do that with fairly short notice, but not, not an Infocom. Infocom needs, I mean, that floor plan in Vegas is laid out. We had, our team was in Vegas four months ago doing site survey and looking at the the new tunnel transportation system and the new convention center extension that's been added. That work is already being done for 2022. That's pretty exciting. You'll have some new things to look forward to. It is going to be exciting, not just for us, right? And not just for our industry, but also for the venue and the venue operators, the venue staff and the live events portion of our business that's just been devastated by this, getting those people back to work and taking care of their families is is a part of why we are pushing so aggressively to get open with our shows. It's part of why we did Barcelona. It's part of why a lot of our exhibitors were there. Patrick, you have a Sure microphone in front of you. One of our exhibitors in Barcelona was Sure, and they were there, their representative made a statement to me. He's like, without live events, there is no shore. And we weren't going to let another month go by without exhibiting at an event because those are our people going back to work. Those are our customers. And our industry has done enormous amount of work to keep people afloat and to try to make this as painless as we can for people. 
part of that is holding events and putting people back to work. We certainly, all three of us, love live events. I mean, just even getting back to concerts and, and all of that, it, you know, I can for sure say that I have certainly missed the live events for the last year and a half. So to get back to this is really exciting, not only from a personal level, but also from a professional level, just to see all those people back to work and everyone starting to get back to the new normal, if you want to call it that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're excited to attend Infocom. You know, obviously... I think your numbers are, are pretty dead on that. That's what Chris and I were just talking, you know, in, in the background of what we were expecting, just talking with our integrators, talking with our manufacturers. So it'll be a great start of a, of a second half of the year, you know, to, to see everyone, to see new products, just to start business in person again. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are anxious to have it. I mean, and again, it's, it's very geographically different. We have a show you probably haven't paid much attention to in nine days opening in Beijing. We're anticipating over 30,000 people at, and this is its second edition post-COVID. It took place in September of last year. Remember where we were in the U.S. in September of last year? We had 31,000 people attend that show in Beijing last year. So, it, I mean, again, it's different around the world. We had been hopeful that we would be able to have an in-person event in Mumbai, the same week that we opened registration for Infocom, we needed to announce the cancellation of the in-person event for Mumbai that would have taken place in the fall of this year. So it, it's just anywhere you look, things are different. And the definition of good and bad is different around the world as well. But as everything is starting to open up and free up, I'm sure your schedule starting to get a little packed now with planning the different events and different locations. And I mean, I'm sure you're going to be experiencing a nice upswing here, just like some of our industry is as well. Yeah. I mean, we are certainly looking forward to getting people back together. I think we all are going through, I think it would be a terrible shame to waste all of this pain and anxiety without taking some learning lessons from it, right? It was thrust upon us. Nobody chose this, but if five years from now we're saying, all right, we got back to normal and that was just a blip and, you know, whew, thank goodness that's over and we aren't any better at doing this. If we aren't better at how we work together, if we aren't better at how we engage with audiences, what a terrible opportunity that will have been wasted. So we will continue to focus on how do we engage more effectively in a digital environment? How do we leverage the strengths and weaknesses of both environments? I think we're going to need to be more rigorous about the value we deliver to our exhibitors and attendees. I think we're going to have to be more explicit in identifying what is it that you actually are trying to achieve with this networking event, quote unquote. I think we're going to have to continue to experiment with how do we deliver content in a virtual environment and engage with a community in a virtual environment. All of that will continue to, I hope, will evolve. And I think our industry, I think the audiovisual industry is a key part of that. I mean, ultimately, we use technology and content to connect people and create experiences. We used to say within a specific place and space, right? But so many of our providers have shifted and are focused on delivering digital events, online experiences that I think we continue to put at the core of delivering our services, connecting a person to a person. 
with technology. So it's not connecting a person to a person simply with a hug. Not that hugs have been simple for the last year. And I think there's unimaginable opportunities for us to continue with that and to innovate in that area. David, I, I really appreciate you joining. You know, there's been lots of questions about, you know, who's going to what event. But the number one thing that everyone's been talking about is, hey, we're going to Infocom. It, it, it's not like I'm not going to go to Infocom because I have to go somewhere else. It's I'm going to Infocom and, you know, the other ones are going to be put off. So we're, um, we're excited to see everyone there, see all of our partners, our friends, you know, coworkers, and just get together and be back together in person. Thank you for joining us. We, we appreciate your insights. Thank you to Legrand for uh, sponsoring this episode. And of course, Shore and StudioPod, as always. Chris, thank you very much. Great co-host. Until next time, this is us from USAV signing off from USAV Bandwidth.